Let's continue reading verses 1 through 12 of Ruth chapter 4. Now in these verses we learn the happy news that the closer relative to Elimelech refused to fulfill his responsibilities as kinsman redeemer, and thus the way was opened for Boaz to marry Ruth. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the near kinsman, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance. And the near kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was an attestation in Israel. Therefore the near kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of this place. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Once again, some background notes. Naomi's plan for getting Ruth and Boaz together worked, but there was one problem that had to be resolved. There was another kinsman redeemer, and he was a closer relative to Elimelech than Boaz, and therefore he must first decline his responsibility as kinsman redeemer before Boaz could marry Ruth. Boaz was determined to get the matter settled, and so he went to the gate of the city and asked 10 city officials to join him there. Why the gate of the city? In ancient days, the city gate was like the town hall. Official transactions were carried out there. The city gate area was a large, well-defended area. The whole area might have several actual gates with rooms and chambers attached where records were kept and seats were there where the officials would sit and legal documents would be debated and signed and so forth. It just so happened that the other kinsman redeemer passed through the gate with perfect timing. Again, we see God working behind the scenes here. And so Boaz confronted him and told him of his responsibility to redeem back the land for Naomi. 
Now, here's where you know you got to think through and do a little research of what's going on here. Either Elimelech had sold the land before they left Moab, or Naomi had to sell the land when she returned because of her poverty. We don't know for sure, but in any case, the responsibility of the kinsman redeemer was to buy back that land, to keep it in the family. The other kinsman redeemer said there in verse 4, I will redeem it. But he doesn't know about the Ruth connection yet. Well, when the other kinsman redeemer learned about Ruth and his obligation to raise up an heir, he changed his mind and said there in verse 6, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Phew. I'm sure Boaz breathed a sigh of relief at this point. Now, why did the other kinsman redeemer change his mind? Well, at first, you see, he thought he had a good deal. Since Elimelech had no heirs, the property would go over to him when Naomi died. But now with Ruth in the picture... He would not only lose the land, but the money that he paid out for the land as well. Furthermore, he may not have wanted to marry a woman from Moab. And so this other kinsman redeemer took off his sandal, which meant he relinquished his right to walk on that land or own it. And thus the door was opened for Boaz both to buy the land and marry Ruth. Boaz states his intentions officially before the elders of the city, and they, along with all the onlookers, give Boaz their blessing. Well, so much for uh, background notes. Now let's move to our doctrinal points. Doctrinal point number one. The law cannot redeem anyone. The law cannot redeem anyone. Now where do we find that truth taught in Ruth chapter 4, you say? Well, remember the spiritual picture that we have here in Ruth. If Boaz, the kinsman redeemer who is willing to redeem, represents Christ, our kinsman redeemer, then who does the other kinsman redeemer represent in the spiritual picture? I think he represents the law. In fact, the ten elders administering the legal transaction that's taking place here enhance this picture. God's moral law, as focused in the Ten Commandments, cannot be overlooked. The law cannot be bypassed in redemption, but the law cannot redeem. Notice what the other kinsman redeemer says there in verse 6. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. And at the end of the verse, again, I cannot redeem it. It's interesting that he uses that word, cannot, not will not. I cannot redeem it. The law cannot redeem anyone. If the law could redeem, it wouldn't be the law. The law cannot redeem anyone. Galatians 3.11 says that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. Well, you might say, well, why did God give the law then? Romans 3.20 says that by the law is the knowledge of sin. And Galatians 3.24 says that the law was our schoolmaster or tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. That is, faith in Christ. You see, the law is like a mirror. A mirror shows you that your face is dirty, but a mirror cannot wash your face. In the same way, the law shows us that we are sinners and need to be redeemed, but it cannot redeem us. 
Only Christ can redeem us. The law cannot redeem anyone. Now, I hope you're not here this morning thinking that somehow you're going to get yourself to heaven by trying to keep the Ten Commandments the best you can. Forget it. The most the law can do for you is to show you that you need to be redeemed. The law cannot redeem anyone. Doctrinal point number two, Christ can redeem everyone. Christ can redeem everyone. In this spiritual picture, Boaz represents the Lord Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. The other kinsman redeemer was unwilling and unable to be the redeemer. But Boaz was both willing and able to redeem. He was not in debt or entangled in any way. Boaz pictures our Lord Jesus who comes and redeems us by grace alone. We, like Ruth, were too poor to do anything for ourselves. But the Lord Jesus came to us and reclaimed all that was lost. He redeemed us and married us. In verse 10, Boaz says, I have acquired or purchased Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Apart from Boaz, you see, there was no hope. There was no escape from the effects and claims of death. In the same way, apart from Christ, there is no hope. There is no escape from death and its consequences. And the law, you see, cannot help us out of our predicament. But by grace, you see, the Lord Jesus has purchased us and redeemed us. In Ephesians 1, verse 14, we read that we are his purchased possession. In Acts 20, and verse 28, we read that the church was purchased with his own blood. And notice, by the way, in the picture that Naomi, who represents restored Israel, she also comes into blessing because of Boaz, the willing and able kinsman redeemer. But notice again in this wonderful picture that the law was not bypassed. Boaz satisfied all the claims of the law. Thus, Ruth was free from the prior claim of the law to be married to Boaz. In the same way, Christ as our perfect kinsman redeemer settled all the claims of the law. We are now free from the law, as Romans 7 says, to be married to Christ. By grace, Christ has purchased us and freed us from the law. John 1.17 says, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law cannot redeem anyone, but Christ can redeem everyone. Now that does not mean that everyone is redeemed, but Christ is able. He can redeem everyone. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross, he met all the claims of the law and, as our perfect sacrifice, died for the sins of the world. That atoning work was sufficient to save everyone. It was unlimited and universal in scope. Christ can redeem everyone. 1 Timothy 2.6 says that he gave himself as a ransom for all, but not everybody is saved. Only those who believe are redeemed. The saving work of Christ is only effective for those that believe. Have you believed? Are you redeemed? Do you want to be redeemed? Do you want to be free from the claims of the law? Remember, 
Christ can redeem everyone, but you must believe. Now, what about practical application? Remember the women in the genealogy of Christ. Remember the women in the genealogy of Christ. You know, in Matthew 1, there are four women named in the genealogy of Christ. Two of them are mentioned here. Tamar, here in verse 12, and of course, Ruth. The other two are Rahab and Bathsheba. If you study the biblical account of each one of these women, you will be encouraged as you see the grace of God at work. Rahab and Tamar, they were prostitutes. Bathsheba committed adultery with David. And Ruth, of course, was a foreigner from a pagan culture. But in spite of all of these shortcomings, God in his grace worked out his plan for the coming of the Messiah. All four of these women are in the genealogy of Christ. So if you're ever discouraged and think that God can't use you because of your past life, for example, be encouraged. Remember the women in the genealogy of Christ. If ever you need to counsel someone and give them encouragement because they think they've been shelved and God can't use them because of past sins, help them to remember the women in the genealogy of Christ. So a practical way to force yourself or someone else to remember the grace of God and to be encouraged is to remember the women in the genealogy of Christ.